good to see the volunteers getting the recognition. I know it's a cliche, we couldn't do it without them, but we couldn't because they're the backbone and they're the people that do it on a day in, day out basis from the grassroots level up. Being two places at once, I can go from doing a road race in the morning to track in the afternoon and then back to my normal work job as well. Hello, you're listening to episode two of the England Athletics podcast. Yes, we've got that far. I'm Dean Hardman, joining me is Chris Jones, and tonight we're recording at the England Athletics Volunteer Awards and Hall of Fame evening, Coventry's Rico Arena, where the great and the good from the sport in England and beyond are gathering to celebrate all that's good about athletics in, in England this year and of course recognising the heritage of the sport as well. So in this episode of the podcast what we're really going to do is cover all of the different award winners tonight, people who have been inducted into the Hall of Fame. We've got a fantastic lineup of inductees as we always have every year. Some from recent past, some from a little bit further back in history. In fact we've got Tommy Green, Olympic gold medalist in the race walk in 1932. And we've got John Regis. I was going to say, not surprisingly, he won't be with us tonight, Tommy Green. John Regis will be in. As, as Leonard the Lion walks past us, that's one of the more surreal moments. Someone dressed as a lion. Dame Jessica Ennis Hill. We've also got our volunteer award winners. Coach of the Year, Official of the Year, Club of the Year, Run Together Group of the Year. Services to the Sport. Services to the Sport, Run Leader. We shouldn't underestimate the impact that being recognised in this way has on volunteers. You know, Just seeing the look on the faces of the people that do receive these awards, both here on the night and also our regional awards that have taken place around the country over the last few months. Seeing that other people have taken the time and effort to nominate them, to recognise the work they've done, we should never forget the impact that that has on them and their motivation to continue and, and the motivation for others to have a go as well. Well, there wouldn't be any Hall of Famers if it wasn't for the efforts of those people. Um, I'm sure every inductee tonight would uh, say exactly the same, that their first experience in our sport was thanks to uh, a coach, a teacher, an official, a volunteer, uh, who gave their time to make sure their experience in the sport was the best it could be and set them on the, the kind of road to glory, if you like. Certainly in my case, it was my PE teacher. He, he basically said, look, you, you're quite good at how wrong he was. Um, but he, he said, come down to the club. And um, that's how it all started. He used to, I spoke to my mum and dad, he used to take me to the track. He used, he used to make, make sure I got coaching. And that story's replicated for all of our inductees tonight. So it's great that those stories are going to be recognised. So hopefully more and more people are going to start listening to this podcast. Uh, hopefully we'll have some other people on it, not just me and you, Chris, at some stage. Yeah, could but, get stale. <laughs> but yeah, we, we, we really want to hear from people who are listening. Your questions uh, about anything related to England athletics, the work that we do, the way that we operate, plans for the future, just our opinions on, on, on certain issues within the sport. So get in touch with us via social media, at England Athletic on Twitter. Leave a message on our Facebook page or a, or a comment. And just say that this is a question for the podcast and we'll do our very best to answer it. So we're here with Tom Bosworth, who was our team captain at the Gold Coast Commonwealth Games. Drink in hand, speaking to him now before he's had more than that one glass, just in case. Part of the reason you're here, not just because you're a very good athlete and we all love to see you, but it's partly because of that team captaincy role at the Commonwealth Games. And of course, my own personal highlight of the Games was seeing you win that medal on the first day of athletics that you may recall you may not I was stood at the side with Chris Jones shouting and going crazy just as you you entered the final few meters of the race that feels like a long time ago now but what are your main recollections of that yeah it really does it feels like a different season to be honest uh, having had European since it oh it, it was a brilliant day I was honored to, to be team captain everybody says you know oh they're proud and they're honored but for me it, it really did mean a lot because you know, growing up and that wasn't always easily accepted and that sort of thing. So to be captain of such a diverse 
uh, team is yeah, yeah, incredible for me and uh, incredible for a race walker, I think, as well. I was first first athlete up, really, for the yeah. athletics team, so no pressure. Wish I'd pushed maybe a 2K to go to see if I could have won the gold, but I'm more than proud of Silver. Dane is a best mate of mine, so I was proud for him to win gold on, on his home turf as well. And, you know, as British record 42nd PB, I, I literally couldn't do more. Are you aware of who's been inducted into the Hall of Fame tonight? Uh, I'm aware of who I'm inducting. What did you know of the person you were inducting? Very little, as he died in 1975, so before I was born. But to be honest, I, I was just over the moon to see that a walker is put up for this, and uh, I'm even more honoured to, to be asked to, to present it. And um, I fought for the event nowadays to kind of bring it back, but that's because we have such a rich history. So. Uh, and this is just a prime example, you know, an Olympic gold medalist. It gives kind of what I'm doing even more purpose. Well, just to finish then, Tommy Green, who we're talking about here, he, he went on to run two pubs in London's East End. He was a pub landlord. Is that your intention for your post-career endeavours? Uh, I might spend plenty of time <laughs> in a couple of pubs, but yeah. No, who knows where, where athletics will lead me ultimately. Uh, watch this space. So we're here with Cheryl Hookway, who is Tommy Green's granddaughter. And obviously you're here to accept Tommy's induction into the Hall of Fame. Yes. Just tell us a little bit about whether, whether you were expecting this. I'm guessing not. No, it was a complete surprise. It was such a long time afterwards. You know, it's, it's 1932 and he was 38 when he won the Olympic gold, which we've got here anyhow. But um, yeah, it was a real surprise, but it was a really nice surprise. Growing up, how aware were you of, of Tommy's achievements? Oh, we were very aware because, I mean, he, my, my children were about four when he died. So, you know, I spent an awful lot of time with my grandfather. Um, he ran two uh, big pubs in Eastleigh, if you want to call them that, the Meadowbank and then the um, Crown Hotel on the Station Hill. I used to go in there every night from school, both when I was at secondary school and primary school. So I spent an awful lot of time with my grandfather. I mean, the medal that we've got, is, the gold medal, is no longer gold. If you look at it, it's silver. But Mum and I, I remember as well, he always carried us around in his jacket pocket. So if anybody wanted to see it, he'd just get it out and hand Fantastic. it over. There's no gold left on it, it was gold plates. <laughs> but it's very heavy and it's very intricate, but it's nothing like the ones these days. And race walking, was, was race walking something you were particularly aware of growing up? Or was well, we it were, something that we was, all tried was to copy, well, you know, all the grandchildren <laughs> tried to copy the way he walked. Even the great-grandchildren tried to copy the way he walked didn't work very well. <laughs> so the, the medal is being revealed out of a little little velvet bag and you're right it does look silver now rather than gold. Yeah. Tommy was famed wasn't he for, at the time I think um, for being one of the oldest oh, oldest was, walkers yeah. around. He just yeah. said he was he was 38 when he won the yeah. Olympic gold. He took it up in his 30s um, and he only took it up because he had a blind friend that wanted him to walk with him. My grandfather was into boxing um, he was very good, very good friends with Vince Hawkins, who was a quite a renowned boxer back in those days. So he's, a, he's, a, he's an early example. We, we do a lot with guide running, actually, yeah. and so it's a, it's a fantastic early example of somebody yeah. somebody doing that back in the 1930s. He actually looked. I've seen some pictures of him in action, and I was surprised when he when I, I read that he was 38 at the time because he's got very youthful looks in the pictures. Yeah. But that's that's him coming back from the Olympics. Wow. So we've got a photograph here of Tommy. Uh, in his Great Britain 1932 Olympic Games blazer. Is that your grandmother that he's, yeah. he's with there? Fantastic. Yeah. So those were the days when you, you'd literally <laughs> sail to the Olympic Games. On the way over, he was with Lord Burley, who won silver at, at the... So he was famed for his uh, fictional appearance, if you like, in, in Chariots of Fire. 
think Lord yeah. Burley. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, we're, we're really grateful for you being here tonight to accept the induction on his behalf. And I'm, I'm, I'm really grateful to be here. And no doubt he would have been proud, I'm sure. <laughs> yes. So we're here with Peter Matthews, one of our inductees tonight, broadcaster, statistician, going back many years. Peter, um, can you just explain a little bit about your, your first involvement in the sport and, and what's led you all the way to this point now? I first got the International Athletics Annual when I was 11 and I've now been editing it for 34 years and I could never have believed that possible. What keeps you so motivated to continue in the sport? Because we know we see you, at, you're one of those rare people I guess in the sport who spans both the elite international side of the sport and very much the grassroots sport with your involvement with the uh, CAU. So what keeps you motivated even now after all these years to continue your involvement? I think I said I was a fan. I mean, I started with the numbers, really, but then I started going to athletics meetings when I came to work in London, and I really got very involved in it. And I really am fascinated by it from grassroots upwards. Um, every year you see new people coming along, new talents coming along, and I think it's wonderful as a fan to be able to follow them through. Sometimes they don't get so far, but I've, I'm very happy to be involved at club level. I was a club president for 25 years as well of Enfield and Haringey. Um, right the way through to be able to go to lots of Olympic Games. And finally, because we know you've, you've got lots of uh, socialising to do this evening and, other, and people to see, um, it's, a, it's a really long history in the sport that you've had. Looking back, what were some of your, I guess, proudest achievements, favourite moments, uh, what, what sticks out for you? Well, it's incredibly difficult, but I will pick out two because I've sort of got used to being asked this. I think when I did live commentary on Steve Backley doing the first world record uh, at Crystal Palace, when ITV actually held back News at 10 to get that throw in, and I was doing live commentary. And secondly, when I was working for Sky and did the commentary at the greatest competition I've ever seen in my life, which was Carl Lewis against Mike Powell in the World Championships at Tokyo 91. I'll single those out as two great moments. You're listening to the England Athletics Podcast. Follow us on SoundCloud or subscribe on iTunes. Like, share and comment on social media. Aston Moore, you scrub up well. Lovely bow tie and suit there. Would it be to shame? Yeah, I, I read the bit that said formal. <laughs> that was it. Tell me a little bit about what inspired you to become a coach. Um, what inspired me to come, become a coach is because I was an athlete. And to be perfectly honest, I think um, our um, failures in life sometimes inspire us to do things. And I, I, I remember really maybe the seed was, was sown literally in my first major competition, which was the 1976 Olympics. I failed. And I thought, look, this is not going to happen to anyone else. It's not going to happen to me. It's not going to happen to anyone else. And literally almost dedicated myself to all the other members of the group that as soon as they became good enough to be internationals or whatever it is, I would then show them the ropes and make sure that they, that they, they did the right thing so that they themselves could be successful. And literally, from that point on, right, I started to help others. And because I helped others in the group, they gravitated to me when I retired and suddenly I found myself coaching. You're a respected voice as a successful athlete, but do you almost feel as though you have to have had a few years in coaching to get people to understand and, and respect what you have to say. Yeah, you do, you do. I think, you know, I, I think coaching, like everything, you know, it, it, you get better with experience. Wisdom is a wonderful thing. A fine wine. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is, indeed. Um, I was talking to a former athlete that I coached way back, 
and uh, we were talking about the sessions that she did compared to the sessions that I'm now giving the group. And she says, how is it that you've been so nice to them when you were saying, yeah, because I've learned a little bit more about volumes and intensities and stuff like that. So, 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 so yeah, you know, it, it works that way sometimes. Is it sometimes a, a difficult balance to be nice enough uh, but at the same token make sure the athletes are working hard enough? Look, my, my philosophy is, is pretty sort of simple. I never lie. Yeah, so if it's not good enough, it's not good enough. Yeah, but I say it in a way that says you can be better. And, and as far as I'm concerned, that's the encouragement. Yeah, so I'm telling you, it's not what it is, but you are going to be better and you can be better. So that's, that's the encouraging part of that message that I give. And when, and when an athlete does something that's certainly right, they've never done before, that's your moment that you tell them that is really, really good. You imprint that moment on their, hopefully, on their psyche, and they will remember that, and hopefully, right, that will help them to improve. Well, it's great to have you here and uh, being part of the Hall of Fame. What does it mean to you to, to be among these people? Oh, wow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, to, I, I never expected anything like this. Uh, and so, look, any kind of accolade that, that comes my way, I'm always surprised. And it's not false modesty. I'm just that kind of guy, yeah? You know, you know athletes perform and I'm the backroom guy. And, and that's how I see the thing. So joining me is Lynn Marr, who's uh, been presented with Official of the Year. You've also won a prize in the raffle. So have you enjoyed it? Totally, yes. Very well presented. Tremendous evening for everyone. Now, tell us how you first got into officiating. After spending many years as an athlete and running around the track and appreciating the officials there, um, I just put something back into the sport. Um, I still do compete mainly at the Masters levels and everything. I'm a team manager for Great Britain Masters, but with the efficiency inside, I just got more involved, and as you get involved, one thing leads to another, and then I've just gone through up to level four. So how easy was it to decide that you're gonna go and, and take up an officiating course to get to level four? It's taken many, quite a lot of hard work in a lot of years, and obviously I've gained a lot of experience with working at higher level people. It's not just about the courses you take, it's working with the officials who've got that experience and their knowledge being fed back to you over the years, which I greatly appreciate. And at the same time, you've managed to still compete as well. Yes. So athletics, you're one of those people for whom it's your life, I suppose. Very much so, yes. It's sort of virtually every weekend. I looked at my diary back in about September and I realised I didn't have a free Saturday till the 15th of December and I have a full-time job. Wow, so what's made you so busy between this period which is normally a bit quieter? Because I'm also, as well as being a track official, I'm also endurance. And last weekend I was chief judge at the road, National Road Relays. And then I've got a programme of events. And then from there I went to the Kielder Half Marathon, the marathon that Chief Cram and Alison Kirby organised. So I've officiated there. And then I had to jiggle someone to cover my duties because I wasn't expecting to come to this event. So I had to get someone to cover. Should I should have been at a cross-country event today. And then next weekend I'm at um, Sheffield at the cross-country relays. So how do you manage to keep on top of it all? Is there stress involved? Yes, sometimes. Trying to jiggle and be in two places at once. I can go from doing a road race in the morning to track in the afternoon and then back to my normal work job as well. 
A lot of people stood out there for many, many years when I was competing weekend, weekend, out, you know, in the winter and the summer doing things. And now I'm just putting something back into that. I'm Roy Perrett, club secretary, and Tim Wright of Orion Harriers. Delighted to be winners of the Athletics of Running Club of the Year 2018. Uh, so Orion Harriers is in northeast London, uh, in Chingford. Well, Tim is an ex-club captain, one of our longest-serving club captains for six years. I've come to the club quite recently, but fell in love with it immediately. And uh, after a very short time, I was lucky enough to become club secretary. And uh, we're both striving to, to bring you know, to move the club forward. So we're a club of uh, just over 800 runners uh, and athletes, uh, half female, half male, half under 20, half over 20, and we range from uh, 8 to 18. So what is it that has brought your club such success, ultimately culminating in this great award? Well, I think really it's an award for all clubs uh, and all volunteers, runners, coaches, uh, officials uh, and organisers everybody who stood out there on a cold wet night on the track or a cold wet afternoon doing the cross country and either run or taking times or coached or competed so it's an award for everybody in all of the clubs up and down the country uh, we're very proud of our club our club is over 100 years old we have a brilliant junior section with uh, brilliant leaders brilliant youth coaches a great uh, young female teens group uh, but also we do adults beginners we have a range of athletes from complete beginners and a marathon group right through to uh, a triathlete is competing in Corona tonight uh, in, the, in the Ironman triathlon, so we are a very mid club. The success of every club is that you try to involve everybody. It's not just about the elite runners, of course we have plenty of those as well, but it's inviting everybody to join the club, to, to become a part of it. Friendships are formed, it becomes a wonderful life for so many different people. I think it's the spirit of inclusivity, really. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a much-used word, but it's very important that running clubs don't become all too old-fashioned. It's very important they move with the times. So we're with David Barnett, Managing Director of Track and Field Tours, one of the sponsors of this England Athletics Hall of Fame event for many years. What was it that it attracted you to partnering with this event? Well, obviously, we've made um, a living out of um, taking people to watch athletics around the world, and I'm involved in club athletics as a team manager, so knowing how much the volunteers and officials do. To be frank, once I came here the first time, it wasn't too difficult to be persuaded to actually make a contribution. And, and looking back on your long involvement with the Hall of Fame, what, what sticks out for you as a, as a highlight from the last few years? The fact that you recognise so many people that you tend to see uh, around the various tracks in the country wearing their officials gear and working as team managers and suddenly they come here for one evening they're all dressed up and uh, it's, a, it's kind of a, an event where the sport can celebrate and it's about the only event I think in the in the whole year where the sport does that. What are you looking forward to for next year in terms of some of the tours that you operate? We've got the European Indoor Championships in Glasgow which obviously is local and that's great and then I have to say um, the events after that are a little bit more challenging because the World Championships is in Doha. Well, it's been uh, quite an exciting show, and uh, you're the person at the forefront of it, Catherine Merry. Quite an evening of emotions, I would expect. To receive an award as well seems to be something really quite special, and, and something out of the ordinary as well. It was, because it's in this environment of the awards, it's obviously something that normally doesn't incorporate me because it's the 11th year I've hosted the Volunteer Awards in the Hall of Fame and I've therefore spent the previous 10 years talking about wonderful inductees, interviewing wonderful inductees, so then to have the tables turned for me to be one of the Hall of Fame inductees was um, a little bit bizarre, 
a little bit strange and different, but a wonderful, wonderful honour. It really is, and it's so. It's been a wonderful night, and yeah, I'm, I'm just just delighted and, and honoured to be now alongside some very high achieving um, English athletes of you know the past and the present really because we're not that long retired I am kind of <laughs> and a lovely montage as well it's always nice to be part of a montage oh yeah I love a montage me and um, it was like okay let's see what they've put in this one then and it was nice because it did reflect my whole career which is one that I, I am really proud of from that, that transition of a young athlete that was so good to then being half decent as a senior as well and the montage was like it was just really nice to see in some of the pictures they put in there um, and some of the hairstyles of the Barnet in particular were, were, were absolutely amazing. I'm not really quite sure. I didn't remember my hair being actually that bad. Well, I was going to say reflected that you had long hair once. Yes, I know. <laughs> many, many years ago. I cut it off when I was 13. So when you find a picture of me with like longer hair or shoulder length hair, that isn't black and white that's a good start then yeah it's a few years ago but but no it was lovely and it was a nice montage because it reflected my athletics and now my broadcasting and, and there were some nice pictures in there that I've actually never seen before so that was really special to see I enjoyed that yeah and so we've come back here many times to see some of the wonderful volunteers and their stories how amazing it is is it just to see how much passion there is it never fails to inspire me. It never fails to reaffirm the love of, of, of the best sport in the world. You know, I, I love my sport to bits. It, it's, it's what I am, it's what I did, and it's now what I do. And when we can just come together once a year and celebrate just a fraction of the people that make it happen, it's really, really special because, as you say, this... This means a lot to people who volunteer and give their time and they're not asking for the full shebang all the time and all these kind of award ceremonies because they do it because they love it but they are the backbone so for us at England Athletics to be able to, to recognise that and celebrate that as much as we can I know it's a cliche we couldn't do it without them but we couldn't because they're the backbone and they're the people that do it on a day in day out basis from the grassroots level up and that is inspiring and it's, it's wonderful when you hear the different stories and all the different things that are going on that trophy is going to go in your mantelpiece and possibly going to be polished by your husband, yes. as, as you suggested. Yes. I'm going to put to you a question that you put to many people this evening. What's been the highlight of your year? Wow, that's a really good question. The highlight of my year, um, it's very similar, as, as you know, to the athletes' year in what we do. Um, it's been a long one. The Commonwealth Games, though, in the Gold Coast, obviously, yes, it was really successful for the English team. For me personally, loved it very much enjoyed being part of the coverage there for the BBC, that was nice um, but this one of the England Athletic Awards is something that I really do enjoy but it's always busy, you know athletics always keeps us busy doesn't it with the work that we do and takes us to wonderful places and we'd have some wonderful meetings no, I just love athletics, anything that moves, jumps, throws or you know <laughs> does anything really, I'm, I get excited by any age group because I love watching the juniors, I love the under 18s I worked on this year in commentary wise European Championship, seeing the likes of Max Bergen or Sam Bennett and though that's I love that. I, I do love junior athletics. Probably as much of it more than the senior athletes because they're the future. Now let's move on to our fifth in the team. Morning 
Sheffield in 1986. She was just 13 when she came under the coaching eye of Tony Minicello. So we're with Tony Minicello, coach to one of our inductees tonight, Dame Jessica Ennis Hill. We have to make sure we say that correctly. We've got to get it correctly. It's the end of the evening, so it's been a long night. Um, but Tony, just a, a final few words reflecting on the evening that we've had. I said it's the first time I've ever been, so I've, I've really enjoyed it. It's. Uh, it's good to see the volunteers getting the recognition that they deserve and it's, it's lovely to, to be able to mix and mingle with people from different areas that you weren't aware of what the good work that's going on. So yeah, lovely evening. The lights are up at the Rico Arena, the event's come to a close. Hopefully you've enjoyed hearing from some of our Hall of Fame inductees this evening and some of our volunteer award winners as well as others involved in the sport after what's been a fantastic night celebrating everything that's great about the sport of athletics and running.